Welcome, welcome. I'm Travis Richards. I'm here with my dear friend, Sally Bryant. Again, part two. If you missed part one, Sally is the owner, president, CEO, yes. president of the Bryant Group, which uh, again, if they missed part one, just remind everybody what the Bryant Group is. Bryant Group is a leadership consulting firm. We do mostly executive recruiting, but we also do leadership coaching and leadership education. Yes. So a lot of good stuff in the last interview. We went over some good like Zoom tips because she's you know been living in that world like the rest of us. Interviewing tips, being a good interviewee as well. So a lot of if you missed part one, please go back and, and check that out with Sally. But Bryant Group, super cool business. But everybody has to hear the story of how you know, farm girl turned Mary Kay rep, you know, came into becoming this powerful force in the leadership industry for uh, healthcare nonprofit and, and education. So Sally's a super interesting person. And this is kind of instructive as to who the, as to what is so great about her. So just take us back to the beginning, the farm girl and like how just, just how did you end up where you are today? I love owning it. This business? I love it. Well, some people listening to this that know me well and have known me throughout my career will be like, wait, did he just say Mary Kay rep? So many people will be like, I didn't know she did that. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll, we'll weave that in. Yeah, yeah, but we'll come back. Let me, yeah, let me start with, so I did grow up on a wheat farm, five miles outside of a town of 500 people <laughs> in Eastern Washington. And my parents had only girls. So we got to do most of the boys' work on the farm. We didn't have to buck bales, but we did have to do pretty much everything else. And I say have to, I really should probably say get to because, you know, that work ethic has carried through Mm -hmm. my life and just learning a little bit about grit and how important it is. But so are all the, okay, so are all of the stereotypes true? Like, you know, never a day off, up with the sun, like all that kind of stuff. Just, I never grew up on a farm. It is, it, it, it really, 98% 98% yes, because uh-huh. here's the thing we had. So for example, we had cattle as mm-hmm. well as, as wheat, mm-hmm. the cows have to eat every day. Doesn't yeah. matter if it's Christmas, mm-hmm. doesn't matter if it's 20 below, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. You go out, you feed the cows. I mean, every Christmas morning, we'd wait for my dad to come back and during harvest it, for many years, it was seven days a week, 14 hours a day until the wheat's in, because mm-hmm. if you wait too long, it rains. If yeah. it rains, the wheat's ruined. So yes, there is a little bit of that. And mm-hmm. you learn to do what needs to be done yeah. so that you can enjoy your downtime later. Yeah. And the, the at some point I was recently having a conversation with someone about one of these books that I've read, you know, The Markers of Success, and this is written down a lot of places, is that you know the difference between people that are successful and are not is that there's all these things that people don't want to do. Nobody wants to get up and, you know, feed the cows. Right. It, right. You know, most people don't. Successful people, like they do the things that the other people don't want to do and they just do them anyway. And so I, I would assume that that is a great lesson growing up and having that instilled into you of just building that muscle of do it anyway. Yep. Just do it anyway. Power through the stuff you don't want to do. And there's no time on a farm for made up drama. Yeah. There's no time for, I mean, literally it's really, it's sad isn't the right word, but it's, it literally is the point where I watched my dad, his best friend was killed in a combine accident. And so that funeral had to be during harvest. 
and everybody got off of their combines, went to the funeral, spent time with the family, and the next day got back on their combines. Yeah. There's no time to just be sad. He had to yeah. do that later. He sure. had to do his grieving later. And and you just learn that if he's going to provide for his family, he had to do what he had to do no matter how hard it was. Yeah. So that's how I grew up and and I went to I uh, went to Washington State University, mm-hmm. Oak Cougs. Cougs. And that I was so I was so fortunate. So I ended up getting a position with the Washington State University Foundation. So that's the fundraising arm sure. okay. of the university. And I got that job because I was in an internship that was was with them, but just kind of like my last semester I was working an internship with them. And they created this part-time position for me. And mm-hmm. I literally started, I graduated on Saturday. I started my job on Monday. Yeah. Didn't even really know exactly, right? Like what this was all about and what I was doing. But but why I bring that up is because I got to work for a woman named Connie Kravis, who's one of the icons in the fundraising industry. Okay. She she recently retired. She she led a six billion with a B, $6 billion campaign for the other university in Washington, the University of Washington. She retired from there. But I got to work at the WSU Foundation when she was there, as were many other great leaders Mm -hmm. who have gone on to do amazing things in philanthropy. I didn't know. I knew I loved my job and I knew I loved my team and I knew I loved learning from her. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how special it was. Until I left and I got into a situation with very dysfunctional leadership. Yeah. So the, and and maybe you answered this question just now with that last comment, but it's, it's like that quote from the office. I think it's Andy Bernard. That's like, I wish that we knew we were in the good old times before they were over like that whole thing. So looking back at that team or whatever, that was so special. Like, what was it that, what was it that made it that way? Is it I mean, do you think that it was like, you know, hey, you, just because I'd say, hey, you know, it's your first job, you're right out of college, it's exciting, you get to stay, like, presumably you get to stay in, you know, college town and, right. you know, close to some of your friends and all that, whatever, like, super fun situation to be, you know, 22, 23 years old. So, but like, what was it? Was it just like kind of, hey, it was like right circumstance at the right time, or was there something about that place that you were just like, no, looking back, this is the thing that made it special? Well, I know that it was special looking back, partly because we, and and we've talked about this collectively as a group that used to work there, the percentage of people who were on that team who went on to lead their own Mm multi-billion dollar campaigns and to become vice presidents of universities is astronomical. It's not coincidence. And so what was it? Part of it was there was was trust Mm -hmm. in the team. So that I would say that's the first thing. I look back, I was 22, barely yeah. 22. And I don't know if they didn't know. I don't <laughs> know what, but like I they put me on an airplane and had me go out and, you know, work with big donors. I had never rented a car. Oh wow. I had only been on an airplane once in my life, a commercial airplane. So it was exciting. Like yeah. it was so exciting. And it was exciting that they trusted me to mm-hmm. do that. So that was one thing. And then I would say another, maybe the other thing that really stands out to me is everyone was encouraged 
to say their opinion. And it didn't matter if you'd been there a day mm-hmm. or if you were the the top dog and you'd been there 10 years or 15 years. Everybody's opinion not only counted, it was encouraged. And nobody felt like, oh, I can't say what I yeah. think. And we'd get together as professionals from across the university. And there were maybe only, this is kind of funny, there's probably only 35 of us at the time. I'm guessing there's probably... 250 or more of them now, but we would all get together in this room and, and, you know, even, even me as 22 years old. And yet I felt like I could say what I thought. That's, that's very cool. That's very cool. So I can definitely see how it's a special place, special place. But as you mentioned before I diverted you is that not every place is that special. You went to some place that was kind of dysfunctional. And so what was that? So that was a stark contrast. Yeah. Again, I was lucky where I grew up. People were direct. People were honest. People had integrity. And pretty much at, at least, you know, in, in the family, my core family and my somewhat extended family on the farm, there wasn't drama. There was emotional health. It was fantastic. So I go into this next situation professionally. And for the first time in my life, I'm in a dysfunctional organization. Mm-hmm. And looking back, What I can see is that when people are insecure or they are hurting, then they are, then they become dysfunctional leaders, which creates a dysfunctional organization. Mm -hmm. And it not only hurts the organization and the mission of the organization, it actually, the ripple effect is huge because I, as an employee, would go home and that would affect. My boyfriend at the time, my roommate, Mm -hmm. my friends, my whatever organizations I was involved in, because I was carrying this cloud and this heavy weight around. And think about when you go home from a really amazing team, like I Mm -hmm. had at WSU, and I would go home excited and Mm -hmm. full of ideas and, you know, the kind of stuff you and I, you know, throw Mm -hmm. around all the time. I mean, it's one of the things I love about Vistage. Yeah. I, it's it's just a really encouraging place. Yeah, and I don't think people think about dysfunctional leadership doesn't just affect people at work; it affects their whole life, which then affects the people that they're around. And it's also just kind of this. It's a it is a cycle that can can sort of perpetuate. Where it's 100%. like if, if you're if you're in a really stressful situation at work and in a dysfunctional in dysfunctional relationships, there it puts stress on your home life, which makes your home life more stressful which makes your work life, you know, now you're not even coming to work as your best version. It's a downward spiral. Yeah. And so it's, and it all started, you know, this is why leadership is important, right? It's like that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so. And and to that leaders, you know, again, I want to have the empathy to say that person wasn't doing it on purpose. No, 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 no. It was insecurities. It was personal pain. It was whatever she was bringing to work with her Mm -hmm. that caused that. And that's why I think that, you know, Helping people understand how to be the best person they can be helps them to be the best leader they can. Gotcha. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm going to make a note here. I've got. I've got two. We're gonna. We're gonna come back. We're gonna circle back to this in a fun way. Are you saying I'm not being fun? No, you are. Very, no, no, you're very. <laughs> no one would accuse you of being. I'll just have to remember. I don't have a pen with me. Okay. So anyway, so dysfunctional thing. That was the thing. So like, kind of continue to take us through and get us to the point where eventually you're starting your own business. I don't. I okay. want to hear the Mary Kay stuff too. Okay. So, so after I had a couple of jobs in the Seattle area, I was actually, so 
here, this is a little personal piece of information. My, my husband-to-be lived in California and I lived in Washington. So when he asked me to marry him, I thought maybe I should move to California. Mm-hmm. So when I moved to California, I, he said, you just take whatever time you need to find the right job. I was so fortunate. Mm-hmm. I got to be the chief advancement officer at a small college, which is now a university, but it was a college then, mm-hmm. Marymount College. And I got to build my own program. I was 29 years old. Oh, wow. I got, and I got back in one of those situations. Well, I had, after this functional job, I'd had a great job in Seattle and then I had moved to California. But I got in this situation with a president that I reported to the president mm-hmm. of the college and he, he just trusted me to build it and do my thing. And one of my key employees who has now been a longtime friend his wife came to me and said, you have a great impact at this organization and on my husband. Tell me what makes you a great leader. And I had never thought of myself as a great leader. Hmm, and I yeah. thought, gee, I don't really know. How did that feel whenever she asked you that? Was like, What was your thought process whenever you were confronted with this idea that Sally Bryan is a great leader? I thought, I got to figure that out. Yeah. And it made me start reflecting on these other situations, mm-hmm. great leadership versus dysfunctional leadership. Yeah. And how could I, how can I, number one, know what I was already doing right? Mm-hmm. And then how could I learn to do even better and do more? Yeah. And so that was, I see that as kind of that pivotal moment mm-hmm. of, of my journey into why I'm passionate about not only great leadership for an organization, but what great leadership does for the individual. Yeah. So I am in the perfect, mm-hmm. in the perfect, I would say job, but you know, company mm-hmm. um, and in the perfect career for myself, because I get to help people be their best self mm-hmm. by either helping them grow into a new job mm-hmm. or by helping them grow in the job they're already in yeah. right through coaching and education. And I get to help organizations make great impact in the world we mostly work with higher education, hospitals, and nonprofits. So I get to make impact on both sides through great leadership. Yeah. So, but I skipped over the Mary Kay you skipped, piece. I say you skipped over the Mary Kay piece, whatever. We got to just like soak in. We got to we got to get to that. So let's quick. go back because I'm telling you, there's going to be people listening to this podcast on my website going, "Wait a minute, I'm still like what Mary Kay?" Okay, so the Mary Kay piece. So at one point in my life, I started working with, so everybody knows Mary Kay, everybody thinks pink cars and pink jars, right? So that's what everybody thinks. I had an opportunity to increase my leadership skills, my recruiting skills, my understanding of how business works Mm -hmm. through Mary Kay. And I didn't really know that was the opportunity that I was grasping onto. When okay. So you about. did not intentionally say, Hey, I want to go to Mary Kay to do these things. This mm-hmm. is something like you ended up there and you were just like, looking back, you recognize looking back. I recognized that that's exactly what I was getting into. And as you know, I'm a person of faith sure. and I believe that God had a plan mm-hmm. because I was, I was sitting there going, my sister wanted me to get involved in it with her. Mm-hmm. And I kept saying, no, 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 thank you. Yeah. I, you know, I'm happy. I love what I do. I'm not. Then at one point, so in the in the recession of maybe 2008, yeah. nine. We've had a few since then. It's hard to yeah, keep track. Right, yeah, right, right. So we did, we, I mean, I'll just say we needed some extra income. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, oh, okay, 
let me go see what this is about. I, as you know, I'm a person who likes to think big. Sure. Didn't really see myself selling lipstick. Mm-hmm. But again, looking back, I was like, okay, here's what I learned. Some of the best business people in the world yeah. learn what they learn in Mary Kay mm-hmm. or in that environment. I learned about leadership and how to coach other people. I learned how to help people in all kinds of education. So, and I learned recruiting in a way that's like amazing. I recruited about 150 people to my team. Everyone from women who maybe had a GED Mm -hmm. to women who had MBAs and JDs Mm -hmm. and doctorates. There is everybody in this business. So how did that piece affect what I do now? So one was learning how people work together as a team. In Mary Kay, everybody on your team is a volunteer, if you think about it. None of them actually work for you, Mm -hmm. right? Unless you actually work at corporate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Down the road here. mm -hmm. So you you learn how to make this, this gelled, solidified, bonded team of people that don't actually have any employment with you. Sure. And you know, hey, here's the secret too, is that if you are an employer, your, your employees are volunteers too, just well, like your customers are. Thank right? you. Yeah. People can, right. Right. It's yeah. America. People can do whatever they want. So I loved learning about that. I also loved learning, as you know, one of my core values, Moxie, mm-hmm. you learn Moxie. You learn that you're offering someone a service. No one likes to be sold. Yeah. But everybody wants to have their needs served. Mm-hmm. So there's a real relational model, a service model in Mary Kay that I always used in as a fundraiser mm-hmm. and that we use at Bryant Group that I saw in that in that company. Um, and I learned again, it's not sales. You'll never be a good salesperson if you're trying to sell. Yeah. You'll only be a good salesperson if you're actually caring about people and serving their needs. Yeah. And from that, I also learned that no is not personal. And mm-hmm. you know my soapbox about people in business. Yeah. But I think, okay, can I go here? Yeah, go. Please Especially take it. women have a hard time with the word no. Okay. Ladies out there, are you listening to me? Mm-hmm. No is not personal in business. No is just part of it. Why did the person say no? How could you serve them better? How could you do better next time? Bringing it back to Bryant Group, Mm -hmm. I got to tell you this story really quick. This year, two of our biggest and best and most well-known clients, if I Mm -hmm. said their names, you would know who they are. Sure, sure, sure. On opposite ends of the country, actually, this year, these two clients in different situations turned us down, Mm -hmm. right? We didn't win Mm -hmm. the work. So whatever, they were recruiting some positions and we we were not the firm that was chosen, Mm -hmm. even though we have really strong, great relationships with them. My first response is not being upset or hurt. Mm -hmm. My first response is, help me understand why. What can we do better? Or, Or why was someone else better suited because I want you, number one, to have the best partner yeah. that you need, but I can only be better and be a better partner if I understand what's behind the word no. Yeah. And the, that, the sincerity with which you said that last statement where it's like, we've all been in situations where it's just like, hey, look, if 
I just want you to be happy. And a lot of times like it's BS, right? It's like, I actually would prefer that you not be happy, but in, (laughs) but in the relationship, like what you're just describing, these are clients where you do have a great relationship where presumably you believe in the mission of what they are trying to do. And you really do want them to be successful. And I, I think that the sincerity with which you were saying that, you know, you don't, don't sell, serve their needs is that you have to take that same spirit into that conversation of, I want to understand, I want to understand why. And, you know, number one is that if they found a great partner, I'm sure that, you know, while you're disappointed to get their business, you were still excited that they got a good partner and that they're working towards their goals as as an organization. Absolutely. And I also believe everything happens for a reason. Yeah. So we partner we want to partner with the people who were the right partner for them at that time. Yeah. Now I will back up just for a minute and say both to the ladies and the men sure, sure, sure. that yes, it stings. Yeah. Of, of course. course it stings. Yeah. I mean, I'm human. Yeah. Right. But, but we don't need to, we don't need to take that as a personal affront. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to feed the cows, right? You got to get you up. Gotta, and, you you got to get up and feed the cows, right? I think so, I'm going to have that be my hashtag. Hashtag okay, got to feed, feed the, the cows. Cat. There you go. Well, that'll be your code <laughs> that we'll know. Okay. So what was the push of like starting your business? Because you actually, like actually the the leap to start Bryant Group is kind of an interesting story because you, know, you bought the business from your husband. Yeah. Well, sort of. Okay. okay. So my husband is one of the most amazing people in the world. I just admire him so much. So he and his partner started basically started the firm in 1988. In about 2002, they went their separate ways. Mm -hmm. His partner very shortly thereafter retired. So we, Bryant Group was the successor firm, Mm -hmm. is the successor firm. About uh, um, 2016, which is about the time we moved the company to Texas, I had been working with him for a while. And he, we started talking about, did he want to retire? Mm -hmm. What did he want to do? Did he want to sell a company? Did he want it to keep going? So he said, you know, I, I think I'd like to keep it. I think I would like it to keep going. I said, okay, do you want me to lead it? I mean, I'm working yeah. with you. It was basically just the two of us at the mm-hmm. time. We, I mean, they had been a lot bigger at one point, but we had taken it down to kind of a lifestyle company. Sure. And he said, um, I said, or we could get someone else. You know, this is your baby. Yeah. I'm not. And he said, I really think I would like you to lead it. And I thought, okay. Talk about my next leadership challenge and really understanding. So I started looking at the company and saying, I think we should put in new technology. Mm -hmm. I think we should do different marketing. And to his credit, think about someone taking over your baby that you started. Mm -hmm. And especially your spouse, because sometimes that's even harder. Yeah, it's tricky. Right? He said, whatever you think. Okay. Whatever you think. And he has supported me. Every step of the way, he retired fully a year ago now, mm-hmm. and he's our our advisor. We we call him the we call him the exalted founder. Yeah, there you go. But he just he just said no. What you're doing is fantastic, and I support whatever whatever you want to do with it. I want to give so I want you to put on your leadership coaching hat, and I want you to provide some guidance to a few people. The first person is that I would like you to provide some guidance to the leader of that dysfunctional organization that you moved to, that you went to. Oh, you're going to really go deep here, aren't you? Well, yeah. So like, I'm just saying, it's like, you know, look, you're going back in time. You know, you are taking your current 
knowledge, wisdom, and experience, and you were going to sit down and have a coaching session with this mm-hmm. person. So if you could just give them like, sort of like, hey, what's the one thing that you, well, the, the one bit of guidance that you would like to provide that person? So one of the things I do in my coaching is it's really important to me to have people find their own solutions. So I ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And the question I would ask her, no doubt, is what are you afraid of? Because fear is what usually causes people's insecurities. Yeah. And fear is one of the most unhealthy emotions, whether it, it comes out as anxiety, whether mm-hmm. it actually feels like fear, whether it feels like panic, whether it feels like low level, you know, anxious, whatever it is. She had, she needed to get in her own heart. She needed to, I think, really understand what she was afraid of. So she could get that out mm-hmm. and then really start to understand how to be emotionally healthy and secure mm-hmm. and authentic. Our leaders need to be authentic. None of us are perfect. You're no. not perfect. I'm not perfect. My people know I am not <laughs> yeah. perfect. My team, I'll just be like, I think I told the story the other day. I said, everybody was supposed to come to this meeting and report on the you yeah. know video they had watched. And I said, okay, I'll go first. I didn't do it. People need to know that we're not perfect. I think if she had stood up in front of all of us and said, I realize that I've been so afraid of not being successful. Let's say that's what her answer was. That it's made me be a micromanager Uh and it's made me maybe throw some of you under the bus. Yeah. That would have changed everything. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a harder case. Go on your leadership coaching hat again and go provide some guidance to the leader of the first team that you were on where everything was so special. And what guidance would you provide that person to throw gas on the fire, I guess? Oh, that is, you know, right? Like coaching your one of your icons, um, uh-huh. that's a little bit more difficult. She wasn't perfect either. No. And I'm, you know, it's funny. I'm just thinking that yeah. like I'm thinking of all her strengths, but I also, I am very aware of some of her weaknesses. Well, sure. But I think what I would, again, I would want to ask her a question. And mm-hmm. I think my question would be, how can you intentionally impart the strengths of your leadership style to others? Because I think she did it unintentionally. Sure. And what if she had, like you said, take Mm -hmm. it to the next level. And I mean, her level is already so high. But what if she had intentionally said, how do I help people be a better leader? Yeah. Not how do I increase, you know, get better at my weaknesses. No, you're so good at this. Mm -hmm. How do you intentionally help other people do that? So how would, whenever someone is doing some self-reflection on their own abilities and skills or whatever like how do you like because there are yesterday in our visage meeting we took this you know assessment or whatever where we identified like where our organization was strong and where it was weak and it's like there are some organizations and people they have some things where they are weak where they're not as strong but everybody also has strengths and if you i guess how do you how would you help someone distinguish between when they really need to shore up something that is a weakness because it's holding them back Versus when you should tell them like your best effort is to actually double down on the strength that you have. How do you, how would you advise? So weaknesses that hold you back are usually unhealthy habits of thinking. Okay. 
So if, and this is one of the things we do in our coaching is we help people understand how to have balanced thoughts and balanced thinking. That's a little bit different to me than a talent or a strength. Okay. So you need to shore up when your thinking is unbalanced. Um, Let me give you an example. So a lot of people are procrastinate Mm -hmm. because they have a perfectionist mind uh, set. Yeah. So they don't want to do it unless they can do it perfectly. And so then they procrastinate because they keep putting it off because they can't do it perfectly. So if you were balanced in thinking, it would be better to do it well and to do a little bit each day rather than to do it perfectly, right? Because we know perfect is the enemy of good and perfect is the enemy of excellent. So that's when you need to quote unquote shore up your weaknesses. But when we're talking about talents or what's your superpower? Always strengthen your superpower and don't worry about the fact that you're a terrible writer because Mm -hmm. then you get into the book, right? Who, not how. Yeah, exactly. Go get a who to do your writing and work on what you're talented at. Yes. No, that that, that totally, that that, that totally hangs it in. And then I think also just that there's another, a similar quote from Dan Sullivan who wrote Who, Not How or had someone who... Found someone found to write a the book who for to write who, not how. But his, his one of his quotes is that the problem is not the problem. The problem is the way you're thinking about the problem. Yes. And so, like that that thing about just fixing your mindset about you know that is always a weakness is if that's not in balance. So that's very helpful. The last person I want you to give advice to is to Sally Bryant, the entrepreneur. So we've known each other for what about almost two years now. Yeah. And so like. The, what advice would you would you give to Sally Bryant from the time whenever we first met, whenever you were kind of getting, you know, you were sort of starting out with some of, you know, being more intentional about running the business and all that. So just like if you could go back and talk to her for just 30 seconds, what advice would you give her that might have sped things along, eased some pain, made your success a little more profound. So we met in Vistage. Yeah. I think it's okay to plug Vistage. Sure, of course. Yeah. Um, but I had intentionally been looking for a CEO mentor group. Mm-hmm. But what advice is I would say, the same advice I give other people, don't make decisions out of fear. Make decisions out of trust mm-hmm. and faith and love. And I know even in the last almost two years that we've known each other, mm-hmm. my hurdles that I had to get over were, were because I was afraid. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had never thought about that. And, you know, my lovely wife, Crystal, uses that ism a lot where she's like, people act out of fear or they act out of love. And it's when I think back just on my business mistakes, and they are many, is every single time I was acting out of fear. Bingo. Yeah. Agreed. We know we have to be careful when she, we get together. We've been talking for you know a little over half an hour, and this is but you know we could go for days. We could go for days. And I so, love talking with you, Travis. Yeah, and so yeah, always such a pleasure. And so if somebody wants a little bit more of the, and actually I guess I don't know the answer to this question. Do you provide leadership coaching only to people kind of within your space, or is this something that's open to all? Like, oh, great question. Yeah. So our program is open to everybody, anyone mm-hmm. who wants to. Be a better person, be a better leader. They don't have to be in any certain industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do, we do have a program that is based not on your personality type, mm-hmm. although we incorporate some of that, 
but is really based on what I just said. How do you think? Is your thinking balanced? Because if you look back over your life, you'll run into the same roadblocks over and over and over. And that comes from your thinking. Yeah. So if somebody wants more information about this or the other services that Brian Brian Group provides, where can they find you? Absolutely. So easiest way is to email us info at bryantgrp.com, B-R-Y-A-N-T-G-R-P.com. Our website is the same, bryantgrp.com, or they can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Mm -hmm. on LinkedIn basically every day. Mm -hmm. Sally Bryant with a Y, B-R-Y-A-N-T. But if you listen to the last podcast, I literally looked it up. 5,000 Sally Bryant in the United States. So um, if you go to our LinkedIn corporate page, Mm -hmm. which is Bryant group, and then in parentheses, building powerful teams, because there's lots of Bryant groups. So the one that says building powerful teams and has a little logo that looks like a superhero emblem, Mm -hmm. that's us. And you can connect with me there. Well, that is awesome. I encourage everyone listening to do that. Always a pleasure. We need to do lunch again soon. We haven't we used Absolutely. to be we used to be Vistage lunch buddies, and we haven't done that in forever. In so, way too long. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Travis. Great Appreciate times. you. Hey there, Travis Richards. One last time, thank you so much for investing your time and tuning into the show. I really hope that this was helpful to you, and I would appreciate your feedback very much. If you have some notes on what specifically from this episode was useful, or if you have ideas on what we can do better in the future. If you would like to support the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other people find us, and also just recommend us to a friend. To get in touch, visit us at www.getbetteratbusiness.com. That's all for this episode, and I hope that you'll join us again next time. Thanks.